Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey gorgeous, Amy McDonald here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. For this week, if you have recently rated or reviewed my podcast, um, Danda Pranam, thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, sneaky, sneaky. Would you go do it for me? Hey, this week I am going to share with you an interview that I did with Katie Brow. Katie is based in San Diego. She is also obsessed with yoga teachers making great money while they do what they love. Uh, she's the such a big, sunshiny, warm-hearted woman. She's also my masterminding buddy. And every two weeks we get together and talk about our business and what we're working on and other things. And it's just the best. So recently Katie ran the Yoga Professional Summit and I was one of uh, over 20 guests that she interviewed, which was so nice for me to be on the other end of an interview. (laughs) And uh, she shared the audio with me so that I can share it all with you here on the podcast. So check out Katie's work, Katie Brow, Katie Brow Transformed. She's got a great looking Instagram. Like I said, super high vibration. uh, And I feel very grateful to have her as my one of my uh, biz besties. I think you're going to enjoy the interview that we did. Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Before I leave you, hey, guess what? Ba-ba-da-ba. Super exciting. Uh, today, I am launching two brand new programs. It's been a really long time, since over a year since I've launched a short course. But atta, it is now time to do exactly that. It's been a long time coming, and I know a bunch of you in Growing Your Yoga Biz 5. <laughs> I've been waiting on this because I gave it to you as a bonus and it's only just now coming out. It's coming at you, I promise. But here's a, here's a cool thing, folks. I am launching a brand new short course all about the social medias, creating content, feeling good about it, how to do video, what to post, what the F is a hashtag anyway. How often do I have to do it? Really? No, Amy, really. How often do I have to do it? What works? What doesn't? Why do I have to do what you tell me to do? Does it really work for my business? How can I get students from it? How do I feel good about what I do and not like a cheese ball? How do I make sure that it's not consuming my life? All of those good things are in this program. Moreover, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a live program, which means I'm going to be kicking your pants if you don't do the homework. So if you are looking to get skills, if you are a If you are freaking about social media, this isn't for you if you're already getting like randoms booking your retreats internationally from Instagram. This is not for you. This is for you if you're like, "Ah, ah, what? (laughs) About social media, it's time. Come, take my hand. Let's get this done. Check it out, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social. Social, if you are in my Keep Growing Mastermind or Growing Your Yoga Biz 6, do not buy it. You get it for free because I love you. But everybody else, go buy it. Uh, We're starting next month. We are finishing out 2019 with you actually feeling good, in service, authentic, aligned, and confident on the social medias. I'm also going to teach you some hacks for how to make something once. 
and use it a gasquillion times because I would prefer you to be on your sticky mat or reading the Bhagavad Gita than fracking about on the internet. Check it out, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social. Now, uh, the other thing that is launching today is this. If you know that social media is not your dharma and no matter what I teach you, it either is still a shit show or you simply won't do it. If you would like to hire me to do your social media, head over to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash done for you. I am taking on a small number of month to month clients to create and schedule your social media. And I'm talking about Instagram posts and Facebook posts only at this time. You would like me to do your social media, matching your tone so it sounds like you, using hashtags that are going to attract local students, creating content that looks good and consistent, telling you, take this photo, I'm going to kick you in the pants. If you want me to make your social media, head over to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash done for you. Right, that's it. This is my ads. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by me. Enjoy the interview with Katie. I hope, uh, I hope you do. Yeah, she's awesome. Check her out. Follow her. Stalk her on the internet. Take care, folks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Yoga Professional Summit. Today, I have a badass in the house, Amy McDonald. She is a coach and mentor for yoga teachers in growing their yoga business. She's also the host of a podcast, The Abundant Yoga Teacher, and she runs yoga business retreats this year and into the next year. They're happening in Bali. I know that there's only a couple spots left for that. Amy, first of all, the way in which we met was um, we met online, you guys. And when I met Amy and we had our first conversation, I was just like, woman, I just love you. And one of the things that I love about you is your ability to thread the philosophy of yoga and interweave it into the underpinnings of the business and business foundation. There's no one that does it quite like you. And I'm glad that you're here. And I cannot wait to see what unfolds in this conversation. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And no one's ever called me a badass before. I feel like this is the closest I've come to cool in my life. Oh my gosh. This is, (laughs) and by the way, everyone, it's like 6am in Australia right now where Amy is. So thank you for getting your ass up out of bed. You just told me that you've had your chocolate covered goji berries and you're fired up for our conversation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, and what we're going to talk about today and what you're going to share on um, and give us all of the crown jewels of the wisdom that you hold around this is embracing your business as your sadhana. Yes, I am. Um, I'm passionate about this topic because I've been doing this work, um, very similar work to uh, Katie, what you do. And what I've seen over the years is... Um, there's all sorts of things that trip people up where people have a version about being a business owner, you know, common messages. I, I did my yoga teacher training to teach yoga, not to do things on Facebook or, you know, I, I want to share yoga with people because it's my, it's my spiritual practice, not to make money and all of this sort of interesting kind of 
um, confused belief around what it means to be a business owner. And what I found is when we can actually start to bring the development and stewardship of a business into part of our yoga practice, Mm. all of that aversion kind of and fear and um, falls away and the healing can start to begin when, when we actually say, okay, well, actually learning this new skill and having the tapasya to figure it out, even though it's not what I'm used to, if I consider that as part of my journey as a yogi, then I can sort of accept that it's going to be difficult for a while until I become masterful, so, just like we would with something on the sticky mat, for example. Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why I love, I don't do it super often, but why I love teaching beginners is this remembering of, wow, okay, low lunge with a knee on the ground. At one point in time, for me, it was actually really difficult because Getting I was foot super forward. tight in my body. Pulling that foot forward. Right, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and um and I, I think that teachers tend to forget in their in their like practice on the mat of like that has taken years of dedication, of commitment, of showing up again and again and again, of um, finding new teachers, new mentors, new sort of gateways into the opening that is made possible through asana. You know, there's one gateway, and the business is the same. And it's that yeah. I think. I'm I'm curious if you see this in teachers because I definitely see is is this giving up way too soon, and it's like whoa 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 what would you say to a student that came to your class yeah. three times and said I still can't touch my toes I'm I'm this yoga thing doesn't work for me and it's like yeah but you only came three times you know I, yeah I like it I, and you know as you, in listening to you share that the thing that comes up for me too is. Um, the way that that metaphor would play through for me is you wouldn't let a student or if you were, if we, you know, you as a practitioner do something that was a misalignment to the point of potentially causing chronic injury, you wouldn't let that happen over time. So why would you continue to perpetuate some kind of yoga business practice that's never going to yield the right result or is going to lead you to overwhelm or lead you to, you know, um, dangerous under earning or, uh, fear and, and um, poverty consciousness, why would you perpetuate those practices just as why would you perpetuate some kind of misalignment that's going to cause you to have to have a hip replacement, for example? Exactly. Yeah. Let's, I ask, never the thought, oh. Let's ask the teachers, why would you do that? Um, and because it's, you know, the answer is very clear. Well, you wouldn't, yet so many teachers are doing it. Yeah. And my biggest fear in the work that I do, I say this all the time, is, you know, my biggest fear is that someone has... Some, someone has heard the conch, right? And they've done the crazy shit. Oh, I didn't check with you about swearing oh, first, but fine. here we go. Number one. We're Australian. Okay, cool. They've done the, this is just punctuation, folks. They've done the crazy shit of going, you know what? I had a secure job as a, a successful accountant and now I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I mean, that's messed up stuff. That's weird. You ask our parent, my dad, like, what are you doing? When are you going back to your real job? But for whatever reason, someone's blown the conch and I'm like, dang, I gotta, this is my dharma. I gotta do this. Mm-hmm. So, so in, if my dharma is to share yoga with people, I think this, the, the scariest thing is what happens when you have run yourself into the ground financially, energetically time so that you in fact fall out of love with that thing that called you in the first place. Terrifying that without the right support, you can't, you fall out of love with yoga because it's become, the adversity has just become so, so high. Mm. scary stuff 
Yeah, it really is. Um, why, I, and you sort of touched on, on this already, but I would love the elaborate, um, to elaborate if, if there's more that you want to share on it, but why do you think it's so important that yoga teachers shift their mindset and their perspective and really the lens that they look at their businesses through to one of practice, 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 you know, this quality of sadhana? I got three, I got some bullet points. Okay. The goji berries kicking in. Um, I think the first one is um, aversion. So um, for example, folks who I work with, particularly my one-to-one clients tend to be middle-aged folks. They've done something else in life. They've come to this point where they've decided to, to in fact, become a yoga professional, but they may not have the skills that they need. Particularly, I see this a lot on social media. Um, they may, or building their website or whatever, they don't have those skills and they're convinced that they're, they don't know technology, that they can't, you know, I can't possibly do this, Amy. I can't possibly attract students from Instagram because I'm, you know, I'm 45. I don't know anything about this. Um, and so, you know, this aversion to learning new skills. But if we take the metaphor of if you were in class and your teacher pulls out some whacked out arm balance transition, you're not going to say, oh, look, I'm 45. That's just not for me. I'm just going to sit down and watch and everybody else can go have that. You're going to work it at the level that you can. You're going to maybe do it seated or supine and and figure it out in your body. You might do some strength drills to get closer to it. Maybe one day you'll nail it perfectly. Maybe it doesn't matter, but you will step into learning something that you don't yet know. So rather than that's too hard, I'm, I'm not going to do it at all. When we think about it in terms of sadhana, it opens up an opportunity to, um, to learn to try mm. something new without feeling um, completely dejected at the outset. So I think, mm. I think that's one. Yeah. yeah. So before you move on, I think this yeah. is a great reflection point for the teachers that are listening is to do a quick inventory of um, what's happening in your yoga business and the different ways in which you see other people um, expanding, promoting their business and just look at, okay, where is my resistance? Where is their aversion? Where is their, like, is it to corporate yoga? Is it to privates? Is it to doing the website? Is it to posting on social? Is it, and not to say that you need to do all of those things, but rather just to get curious about, huh, okay, maybe there's something there that's actually the thing that's hijacking you from where you want to be or go or do. Totally. Uh, I think the next one is about fear of being visible. I don't know if this one's prolific with the people that you work with, Katie, but for me, there's this story of, well, I don't look like, you know, I don't look like Dylan Werner. So who am I to put my picture on social media or I'm older or I've got some well-deserved love handles or I, I, you know, whatever. I don't have the fancy yoga clothing or I can't do super deep yoga asana. So who am I to show up and be visible? What will my friends think? What will my colleagues from my time in corporate think if they mm. see me on the internet? And I remember our, this one for me, it's, this one's a personal one for me because I've been on that journey and now I, for better or worse, can completely objectify myself on social media <laughs> and don't take it personally at all. So for example, when the gentleman commented on an Instagram post recently about, did you used to be a man? Well, that was curious rather than, you know, strange, but, you know, but it didn't happen, you know, it didn't come out of the box like this. And I right. remember I was always the girl in yoga, particularly when I started my, you know, 10 years ago, my, okay, I'm really going to go for this journey. 
putting myself into some pretty fierce yoga environments out of my Shivananda kind of whatever sloppy yeah. kind of practice and into, no, seriously. And I would hide at the back. I would be the most overweight. I'd definitely be the sweatiest, the blotchiest. Like I would be at the back just trying to lay low. And I vividly remember once turning up, I think it was in Sydney to take a workshop with Christina Sell and unrolled my mat and then realized I'd actually put my mat in front of her mat and I'd placed myself in the very front row. And just because I wanted to connect and be present Mm. and it wasn't a conscious thing. It was just the yoga had done its work and I'd shed all of that drama about being inadequate. Mm. And I think if we take the here again, if we say, okay, well, let's, let's apply the same teaching to what it looks like in business that deciding to be visible and put yourself out there isn't about look at me. I'm so great because Lord knows I couldn't do half the things that she taught us at that workshop, but I simply wanted to connect and and be up close and personal with the people that mattered. And the same is true for being visible online, having your first photo shoot, actually putting photographs of what you look like regardless on Instagram or whatever. So again, I think the fear of being visible, if we take business as sadhana, it's much easier to remove Mm, that block. I love that. So I think so it's a universal fear for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and I know that that's definitely a question that I, I, I'm asked all the time. And I'm glad that you, you know, spoke to your own personal journey with that because it's, it's been the same for me. And honestly, everyone that I've ever spoken to that has some sort of visibility online has gone through that um, growth edge and uh, personal um, acceptance and like of just getting over yourself and being like, actually, nobody cares. You know what I mean? And if they do, then that's their shit, not mine. You know, you know what I mean? What? I, act, I actually think that people do care, but they care for the right reasons. And mm. people often say to me, but Amy, no one looks like me on the internet. And I'm like, that's because no one like you is fucking putting their pictures on the internet. <laughs> so, you know, like the people that if, if you're a little bit lumpy and middle-aged, that's me. I want to, like, if I'm local person looking for some yoga, I'm not going to want to look at the super bendy person. I'm going to want to see, hey, there's a woman who looks a bit like me. Mm. I should go to her class because she's going to get what it's like to live in this body. Totally. So I think people who care and go, huh, cool. Look at her. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want. Like yes. showing who we really are is what's the most magnetic in business. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Bullet point number three. All right. Last one is um, I think there is a lot of wounds, money wounds in our industry and this stuff, I had it bad, like, I had it so bad Um, for, for people who've heard my story, I apologize, but I had it so bad about being broke as being righteous, being poor as being spiritual um, that I shaved my head for 12 years to save money on haircuts and shampoo. Um, I, I did my 300 hours in Jakarta and I used to take my food for the full week of training in my backpack to save money from buying it at the supermarket in Jakarta, folks, if you don't know where Jakarta is, it's in Indonesia and it's not a really high cost of living type place. But I did that anyway. Like I was so committed to being broken, financially struggling. And I think this is, I think this is pro, um, really prolific in our industry, that there is some, mm. still some kind of connection with, oh, I'm spiritual, I don't believe in money, which is mm. bunk. Yeah. But I think if you actually, again, if you embrace your yoga business as part of your spiritual practice, 
then you can start to heal that wound about money and, and start to mm. do the work about recognizing that it's about, you know, prana and moving it around and money is simply a way of commodifying energy and that yoga deserves an energetic exchange. And that in fact, if you look back into our teachings and our tradition, there is nothing in there that says a lay person, a householder should be broke in order to be more spiritual. So I think taking your yoga business as part of your sadhana really helps to heal the abundance consciousness that is not only important for um, self uh, development, personal development, personal growth, and sustaining yourself because you know your mm-hmm. body is your teaching instrument. It needs to be well maintained, but it also um, it also provides a beautiful opportunity for you to lead by example for the people who are coming to your classes, so that mm. they see, hey, here's a spiritual person who takes amazingly great care of herself. What could that look like in my life? Maybe I could take another class a week or maybe I will eat a little better or maybe I do deserve to take myself on a retreat. So we get to use the uh, power differential that inherently exists in being a yoga teacher mm-hmm. to very gently um, uh, demonstrate what it's like to have a really healthy money mindset. So that would be the third one about why letting business be part of your spiritual practice, I think, is a doorway to doing some deep Uh, personal growth work. Yeah, I love that. And I love, I mean, and again, I think that this is one of the reasons that you and I resonate and we just kind of like right out of the gates connected and was like, I feel like I've known you for so long because we are so, at least I feel like I'm so on the same page in terms of like one it's necessary to tend to the business side of things in order to create sustainability, to be able to have the impact, to be able to shift the collective consciousness. And it sounds so fruity and fluffy, but like change the world. Like I want to be used well in this lifetime. That's something that my friend Kobe Kozlowski says all the time. She's like, I just want to be used well. And, um, as yoga teachers, I think there's an inherent, um, well, as you just shared, like the aversion, the fear and the, the kind of lack mindset that is ultimately costing all of the people that could come into your orbit if you were doing those things. So it's, it's like so paradoxical because the thing that you're doing it for, you're like actually hijacking yourself from doing that in the biggest capacity when you don't tend to the business side. Totally. And I, you know, I, this is, this is uh, brash, but I think it's almost a case of how dare you let your hangups about what it means to be empowered in business, prevent the people who need your yoga from getting it. Yeah. Like how dare you get in your own way like that? If you've been called to serve, Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there's people that can help you and support you. Um, uh, you being one of them. Yeah, and I think also it doesn't matter where you're at because, man, I, I had it bad when I started. Um, I did all sorts of whacked out shit because of all of the things I've talked about. Mm, um, yeah. I remember when my sister said, you know, this was like mm, I'd been teaching for definitely two years she said you know there's a better way to send out a newsletter than just bccing everybody from your hotmail <gasps> blows my mind <laughs> like, i was not quick to the party when it comes i know what it's like to be 
very much at the beginning of deciding to get serious about having a business. Yeah. And that's, that's so I think being able to meet people exactly where they're at is, and one, one spot isn't better than the other. I say that all the time. It's like people that come through, um, you know, that I meet and come through my programs and I'm sure you're the same is, it's like some have been practicing and teaching for a decade and some literally just got out of teacher training and they're like, okay, I have no idea and I want some support. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's all, all, all good stuff. So what does it actually mean? What are some sort of best practices and things that you want to share on? Like what it actually means to embrace your business as Sadna? Like what, what are some best practices that you recommend and encourage? Well, the first one that I talk about often is, um, selling as saver. And it's like social media as saver. So actually thinking about everything that you're putting out into the world in terms of selfless service. So if you're going to post something on the internet, if you're going to offer um, an in-store talk, if you're going to send out a newsletter, how can you share something that's going to be useful to somebody regardless of if they ever buy anything from you or not? Mm. And in that way, it's it's never going to feel exhausting of, um, oh, I feel I feel this obligation to to po- to post something on Facebook. I feel this obligation to make some kind of beautiful, profound Instagram post. Again, that's like that's letting the small s self get in the way. We need to come back to big s self, which is how can I serve here? How can I serve the people that need what I have? We don't know who might be. I mean, I can. This one works for me. Sitting in the toilet cubicle at their corporate job, feeling like crap because they're being bullied and they're just noodling on social media and they come across your inspiring thing that says mm. something that might seem inconsequential when you write it, but it gives that person in that moment of darkness, that tiny little spark to go, okay, I got this. Like we can never know who's mm-hmm. going to need the message that we're putting out there. But if we get all stuck in drama about, oh, I've got nothing to say, no one looks at my stuff. This is all just mm-hmm. vacuous marketing then we can't be in service in that way rather than, okay, I've got these incredible platforms that I get to use for free and I can share a message with the world for free. There has never been a better time to be able to connect with people. It's amazing. And rather than get all uptight about the effort that it takes, how can I use these opportunities to offer something in service to someone who might see it, mm. whether they ever buy from me or not, whether they ever come to a class or not? Yeah. If I could maybe just connect with one person and give that one person a little boost for the day, doesn't that instantly make it worthwhile? So I think how can you look at everything that you're doing in terms of particularly content creation, social media, how can you look at that in terms of how can this be in service mm. rather than, oh, God, I've got to do my, I've got to fill up my buffer again for the week, for example. Yeah. I love that. Just a total perspective shift and again, coming back to like why you chose this path in the first place. Like what was the thing that lit up in, in you as an individual that caused this domino effect in your life to drop everything else and dedicate yourself to the path? And are you willing to keep showing up to potentially do that for someone else? Yeah. Okay. Love it. What else? Anything Uh, else you recommend? Yeah. I got one more. <clears throat> which is um, which is my sales process, um, courtesy of the Bhagavad Gita. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 
yoga nerd, hashtag yoga nerd. Um, so, unfortunately, it's a little bit misinterpreted now with like meme Gita, but uh, you know, inherently in the Bhagavad Gita, um, Arjuna is like having one of those days, you know, and it's like, oh, it's too hard, I don't want to. And Krishna's like, dude, seriously, you've been born for this, get up, we're going. Um, and and his teaching is, you know, it's it's sometimes we just take the little piece that says, don't be attached to the fruits, which kind of can be misinterpreted to mean it's all good, which is not at all what Krishna is saying. Krishna is saying, go for it like your hair is on fire. Mm. And when the outcome happens, that's when you get to stand back and have some perspective. But right now there is nothing for you but the goal that you want. Mm-hmm. So I have what I... Um, suggest for anybody who feels some hesitancy or feels like they're being pushy or salesy or they don't want to be come across as too intense when they have something to offer to their communities is three-part process courtesy of the Bhagavad Gita. The first one is um, it's got to be your dharma to share something. So if you are not absolutely in love with whatever it is that you're offering to people, you have no business selling it. Mm. You will always feel salesy and weird if you are not freaking not so in love with that thing. And I'm sure Katie, this happens to you all the time where people approach you with a product that they would like you to sell. But I mean, if you don't use it or you don't love it, it's just no way you would, it yeah. feels yuck and it feels yeah. fake. And so if it's your retreat, if it's your workshop, if it's your yoga teacher training, um, if it's your new beginner series, whatever it is, if you've got a, I don't know, yoga Nidra download, if you are not obsessed with it, then you have no business offering it to people. And when I mean obsessed, I mean, you know, when you, bless them, you know, the first time that you actually fell in love when you went, oh, this is what all of those movies are about. And you couldn't stop telling all of your friends about just, you know, like this new person, like farted diamonds that were just so amazing. (laughs) Like you were that, you've got to feel like that about what it is that you're doing. So that you effortlessly talk about it to the point of just annoying everybody. Yeah. But you're, you're obsessed. That's point one. You've got to be obsessed with what it is or you have no business offering it. Then the next point is like, like Christian says to Arjuna, you've got to go for it like your hair is on fire. You've got to, he doesn't say that, I'm paraphrasing. He, um, you know, you've got to talk about it because you know how amazing it is and, and you're presuming that people are going to say yes. So I could say to you, Katie, um, you know, I've got this, this Sunday afternoon workshop coming up. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do some uh, restorative yoga. There's going to be some chai that I've made, especially for you. I know you're going to love it. I think it'd be really great if you mm-hmm. came along. That never feels weird to the other person because I'm just speaking from my heart, totally enraptured with what it is I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like, and if anything, it probably feels like, oh, wow, she really wants me to come. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And so that's my job is to talk about it like, of course you're going to come because I believe in it so much. Mm-hmm. And then the third point is, again, from the Gita, if you said to me, you know what, it's not for me, I just say, okay, and I go talk to the next person yeah. rather than, oh, maybe there's something wrong with it or if she won't come, no one will come or, oh, gosh, I overdid it and I shouldn't have pushed it. None of that. Total uh, unattachment to the answer. Complete mm-hmm. passion and commitment to pasya in talking about it mm-hmm. unattachment to whether or not they come along. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, because I, 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 I feel like that first piece, the passion piece, like that's what 
for me is the fuel that continues to burn the fire, like to be able to get through kind of the uh, sometimes boring in the weeds logistics of putting, of course, the funnest part of putting on events or trainings or whatever for me is the actual teaching part. It's being in the, that um, role and relationship with students and whatnot. Now there's a hell of a lot of logistics that have to go on behind the scenes that are not that fun. But when the passion is there, that's what enables me to fuel through all of that stuff to be able to do the part that I, you know, love the most more than anything else. And, and I, I see that with yoga teachers where they'll uh, perhaps um, come up with an idea, whether it's a retreat or a corporate thing or a workshop and they'll, they'll attempt to run it and that doesn't get the numbers. And so then they give up and never do it again. Um, Rather than looking at, okay, what worked and what didn't work, what could I do differently next time? And then trying again, Um, And really learning through the experience or well, so-and-so has done a workshop that was successful. Let me reach out to them and ask them what they did do and what they didn't do. Would they be willing to hear from me and I share what I did do and maybe they have some insight and feedback um, and come back to that sort of conversational piece or they'll have some success and just run it one time. Yes. And then that's it and never offer yes. it again. And there's a, there's a real missed opportunity for refinement and momentum building when teachers do that. And again, it really comes back at least in from my seat is to the passion piece is yeah. like, if you're really passionate about what you're doing, you'll find a way. And I think any brilliant entrepreneur, very, very successful, um, individual has been told no and they've failed and they've fallen flat on their face many 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 times but there's something that keeps them going to okay I'm just going to try it a bit of a different way or maybe I'm just going to shift this or maybe I'm just going to do it exactly as I did but pitch it to someone else or someplace else Mm -hmm. so I love I love those um those suggestions. There's something that teachers um, talk to me about and ask me about often, which I would love to get your perspective on, um, particularly as it relates to, you know, embracing your business as sadhana. And that is um, time management and scheduling. And like, what does that look like from a business perspective? (laughs) Like, are there any trips or ticks? tricks or tips that you have that you utilize because you're a machine when it comes to, um, you know, getting content out there and you've got all these wheels spinning and all these different programs and you're doing one-on-one mentorship and you're, you got the podcast and you're on retreats and like, what do you do? What, give us your magic bullet. Oh, you know, it's funny. Recently, maybe the past year, people have been asking me about time management. Like, it just sounds like the least sexy subject of all time. Or like, you know, how to, it, yeah. It sounds, but, any, but the results of it are sexy as hell. Maybe it's like abdominal drills. You know, right. like, oh, really? Another 15? My teacher is a big fan of teaching drills and just lying there like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Okay, another 15. But, but the result is that you get to do some whacked out whatever inversion and hold it for longer. Maybe time management is like that. Um, okay. So first up, I think we need to understand that for, I'm not one of them, but for them, I suspect the majority and Katie, you're not one of them either, but for the majority of the people who work in our industry, they tend to be more Shakti encoded than Shiva encoded. They tend to be more dynamic, organic energy, ideas in flow, 
right? Which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And as we know, when Carly nearly tore down the universe, the divine feminine needs to, and this is not gender because gender is boring, but the divine feminine needs to be contained by the divine masculine. It wasn't until Shiva lay down and went, hey, baby, check this out, that Carly kind of toned her shit down and, and everything was okay. Ish. So we need to actually have some containers to put the energy in or everything is a little bit mm. out of control. Like Douglas Brooks says, you can't know freedom unless you know constraint. Mm-hmm. So that's from a yoga perspective that looks like time management and, mm-hmm. um, and, and time management in fact gets to be like a crummer, like a, a sequence of action steps that you refine over time. Mm. Very pragmatically, mine looks like, a, I promise this will change your life, everybody. If you're not using an electronic calendar, get an electronic calendar. I know this for some of you, like I used to be a writer, you know, sipping bad wine with a beret and me and Hemingway, we just had moleskin. Like I get what it's like to, if you're all about your paper diary, this will change your life. Um, it's like people who like, believe in the power of celery juice. <laughs> Everyone else is like, oh, celery juice, but I promise you more so than celery juice, this will change your life. Um, stop doing to-do lists. Start writing things down on pieces of paper. Never again a to-do list, whether it's on your phone or on a post-it or whatever, stop it. Put it into your calendar. Assign it a period of time and an actual time that you're going to do it mm. and liber- instant liberation. I know wow. that today I have, I, I'm not going, oh, my God, I've got so much, I've got so much, because all I have to do is sit down at my desk and follow the recipe book that is Tuesday for my, or whatever it is, Wednesday for my Google calendar. That's it. Done. No stress. Everything's Love in there. Love it. Schedule. And things like schedule, but things like schedule in time to read a book, schedule in time to pick up your dry cleaning, schedule in time to what? Send out your newsletter. Give yourself spaciousness the time that you allow, but put it into your calendar so that you're not in some kind of fantasy that just because you've written it down, you actually have the time to do it. Yeah. It'll prevent you from over committing as well. Ooh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to do not that. not sexy, but it um i have because i've got lots of to-do lists i just have like a brain dump book which which feels less overwhelming when it's out of here and onto paper but at least i know that it's somewhere and you know sometimes i'll flick back months or years later and be like oh that was a great idea (laughs) yeah sometimes it says tuesday at the top you just cross that out and you're at wednesday and then you just cross that out and you're at thursday whereas if you put it like reality check it's like Tadasana, feel into your feet, be here yeah. now. Yeah. Can you actually do all of this today? And also the filter of, does it actually have to happen at all? Like recently mm. in my business, I've just shared all this stuff that doesn't have to happen actually. Yeah. Like, does it even have to happen? And then the, the, the other one is, does it actually have to happen at the quality that I'm expecting of myself? Does anybody else care mm. that it is as close to perfect as I require it to be. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm a fan of, you know, shitty Sloppy, stuff. Sloppy, yeah. No, but I don't think if you do yoga, you're into form and function. Yeah. Um, but probably a lot of us don't get as much done or, or spend too much time at work and not on our mat or with our family or whatever mm-hmm. because we're beholden to this internal drive of perfectionism, which is just chewing up your life. Yeah, I agree on that one. Another place that we're aligned, Amy. Another place that we're aligned. 
<laughs> so those of you that are watching, be sure to get on your calendar, your electronic calendar and get rid of the to-do list, schedule it out. I think just in, in sort of giving that a little bit of thought um, for myself, putting it, that act of putting it in the calendar brings the reality check of like, okay, what am I even thinking that I can get this done next week? Comparative, when I look at everything else I have scheduled, no, I'm going to push that timeline out because for me, timelines are like, the ultimate remedy to stress. Like whenever I get stressed, I just look at my calendar and I'm like, okay, what timelines can I push out to mm-hmm. give myself more spaciousness, more white space? Um, and, and that actually, yeah, really brings it into, okay, realistically, I'm not going to get to that until X. Yes. Um, as well as, you know, when I make commitments to other people, I stopped doing this a long time ago, saying yes before I looked at my calendar. Bam. Shakti Pad, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I would be like, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. And then I, they would send a follow-up email and then I'd look at my thing and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, okay, <laughs> the next time we can get coffee is like nine weeks from now at one o'clock on a Tuesday. Will that work? And they're like, what? Nine weeks? Um uh, which I think is like just funny. Um, but it's not that I'm doing now in my life. It's not that I'm doing like so many things that I'm so busy. It's like the time that I've scheduled is like sitting in my backyard, sipping my matcha, you know, and having a lot more spaciousness, not filling it up. Okay. So last question for you is, um, these things that you've implemented in your business and really looking at, um, embracing business as sadhana, what are the ways in which these have supported and led to your own success as an entrepreneur and as a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think that um, perseverance um, for learning things, like I said, I'm not joking. When I started teaching yoga, I mean, I was a shit teacher for the first year, for sure. Like terrible. Fortunately, the people who came to my classes didn't know any better. Uh, But my business was also equally shit, you know, doing that thing of sitting there up until sitting there waiting for people to come into the door, come through the door. And then in sort of the three minutes before class starts and there's still no one hoping that no one comes because that would be even worse if there's just one person and they give you $10 and, you know, so I've been there. That's where I got my start. But the perseverance to learn stuff that was scary to overcome, um, I mean, definitely to overcome my fear of visibility. I, the first time, I mean, you look at my Instagram and there's, there's my face on everything all the time. There's me, God, I can't even believe that this is my reality. There's me in tight pants on the internet. When was that ever going to happen when I was like, <laughs> never. Oh God, I can remember the first time I wore tight pants in public. It wasn't that long ago, but nevertheless, there's me all the time, every day, tight pants on the internet. Um, but I remember you know, the first time I went for a professional photo shoot, I was so upset that they called me once I got home and gave me the number to a suicide hotline. Like that's how upset I was from the, from how confronting and the level of body dysmorphia and all the rest of it that I had going on then. So, I mean, having a business has, has, has been the vehicle to do so much profound personal development work. I mean, Mm. do do I make truckloads of money? Do I have tons of freedom? Can I travel the world whenever I want? All of that stuff, which is great, and I'm very grateful for it, but it's who I've become in the process. I know who I am a lot more. I accept myself 
muffin tops and all. Like I could actually care less if someone mm. wants to post something horrific about me on the internet or, you know, I, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Have I, I've, all of the trappings of a successful business doing what I love and all of those hashtags about, you know, love your life. And yes, I have the very good fortune to have those, but what's the, the actual piece from a, you know, from a sort of a spiritual warrior perspective is man, has it given me grist for the mill man is having a business taught me so much about myself. Has it been a constant process of concealment and revelation? And that's why I think when we embrace business as, part of our yoga it it's not just something that has to happen on the outside it's inherently connected to who we are becoming on our journey oh i love that is gold right there i mean it's so i just i love it love it and and you know our conversations that we've had outside of this one a lot of it has been around that for each of us individually the revelation of like whoa hang on what really i I don't have to work so hard. Oh, that was just a belief that I had a limiting belief that has like whipped me to death my entire life. You know? So it's, um, I, I love that. I love that. And I'm so interested to hear the, um, how this lands for those that are watching it. And we would love to hear from you and hear your comments. I'll put all of the links for Amy. Um, her social podcast website, all of that good stuff, Facebook um, in the notes. And um, you've got a free download for everyone, a little mini series of videos and action steps. Yes. Um, do you want to uh, share about that a little bit? Or? Totally. And do reach out and share with us because like, in case you can't tell, like we're approachable AF. So <laughs> <laughs> love hearing from people um, and, and like, listen, get, get me on the podcast too. And um, cause uh, or there's, if there's oodles of free stuff there and, and my um, son culpa with my podcast is to be in service. So get on that. But if you would like to have uh, seven small uh, video trainings about how to call more students into your classes, I have it for you. Uh, you okay. can get it at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash namaste yoga nerd. Uh, that's the link. It'll be somewhere. Um, and also if you sign up for that, there's also like a 90 minute uh, social media basics for yoga teachers. If you are feeling a bit like, what? I'm Gen X. I don't know what a hashtag is. Um, that's a really good training as well. You'll get that as part of signing up for the video. Cool. Awesome. So good. So great to connect. And, um, just thanks for sharing your wisdom, your passion, um, and all of what makes you, you and, and your story. Thanks for having me. Such a good chat. Such a good chat. All righty. Tons of love, Amy. (laughs) Namaste. Namaste. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure. Of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.